Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at thebuglepodcast.com. That, that bit's important. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome to the Bugle Ashes Zoltzcast. I am Andy Zoltzman, and if cricket statistics be the food of love, I have seriously overeaten. Uh, they're not, uh, by the way, for anyone who's about to go on a date. Please, don't make the same mistakes I did. Uh, this is my review of day one of the Oval Test, which began with the series quite tantalisingly poised at 2-1 to Australia, with the urn already, well, metaphorically halfway around the world, on the wrong side of the equator and getting absolutely hammered in business class. Uh, day one has come and gone in a now characteristic flurry of English thwacks, whacks and counter-attacks. Three good partnerships three collapses. The day began with Pat Cummins winning the toss for the first time in the series and ignoring the statistic that Australia, when they've batted first at the Oval since the First World War, have averaged 490 in the first innings. Now that's uh, nine occasions they've done that. That's quite a lot of runs to be averaging uh, when batting first in a test. In fact, it's the highest of any team at a specific ground since the First World War for those who batted seven or more times at a venue. It's a niche stat and an easily ignorable one as Cummins chose to bowl first because it was cloudy and England like bowling first themselves. So there were three good partnerships, three collapses, an opening stand of 62, then three wickets fell for 11, would have been four for 16 if Alex Carey hadn't been reading Robert De Niro's hit coaching manual, How Not to Keep Wicket. Carey's been pretty solid through the series, looked a little leggy today I thought. Brooke and Moeen added uh, 111 in quick time, then four wickets fell for 28 in nine overs, Wokes and Wood repaired the repaired damage uh, with 49 but then the last three wickets fell for 22 in 20 balls. So England once again hammered Australia all over the park uh, but didn't do it for uh, quite as long as they did at Old Trafford and didn't score nearly enough runs whilst doing so. The statistical strangeness of this series continued with Pat Cummins finishing the day with 1 for 66 from 13 overs, going for over 5 and over for the fourth innings in a row, having done so just once in his first 96 test innings. But amidst that 1 for 66 from 13, he bowled a spell of searing magnificence. That, despite only harvesting one wicket, hauled his team back into the game after a somewhat pallid start in which England rattled along at almost a runner ball despite not hitting many boundaries. Please listen to previous episodes of this if you want to hear me banging on about dot ball percentages and passive Australian fields. Quite how Cummins took only one wicket in that spell is a mystery that will baffle future historians as much as the location of the Holy Grail, why Stonehenge only works two days a year, and whether or not Julius Caesar really invented the salad. Aside from getting Crawley out with a very good ball, there were two drop catches, both quite simple as catches off a 90 mile an hour bowler go in any case. According to the Crickviz data, 24 of the 36 balls Cummins bowled in that spell produced a play and miss or an edge. That's a full shot percentage of 66, the highest full shot percentage of any spell of more than five overs in the Crickviz database. That goes back to 2006. There are over 7,500 such spells 
in the database, I would say, even though not all plays and misses and all edges are equal, uh, that is quite an impressive gold medal to be currently winning. Uh, England's high-risk batting style does produce more false shots, but still, this was vintage Cummins. And then in his next spell, he got whacked for 15, then 14 in successive overs, both of which are in his top 10 most expensive overs in tests. Such is the unique statistics-churning magic of Baz Bailey in England. Harry Brook began his innings looking as if he could not just get out every ball, but as if he could get out more often than once every ball, and then, reprieved and increasingly settled, played some of those mind-bending shots that have people drooling in anticipation of what his next ten years for England may hold. But once again, as has been the case across the series, apart from their flaying at Old Trafford, Australia just about held it together, restrained the carnage to manageable levels, and kept England to 283 all out. So how do we interpret England's 283 all out. Well, there are various options. You could say it's not a great score. You could say it's not a disaster after being put into bat. You could say it's better than the last two tests at the Oval by quite a large margin. You could say it's worse than most of the recent ones. Before that, you could say it's all just a bit of fun. What does it really matter? You could say it's an opportunity missed by England. You could say it's an opportunity partially taken after almost being at 78 for four. Or, and this is possibly the best option if you want to interpret this score, I'll get back to you in a couple of days. Stand back, it's a stat whack. I'm going to finish today's statistical look at the Ashes with a stat whack. Uh, brace yourselves. England 283 all out in 54.4 overs at 5.17 runs per over. The fifth fastest opening innings of a test in history in terms of runs per over. England since December, also have first, third and fourth on that list in Rawalpindi against Pakistan, Mount Monganui against New Zealand and Multan against uh, Pakistan uh, over the winter. Second on the list, New Zealand, 370 of 65.4 overs at 5.6 against Australia and Christchurch February 2016. Who was involved in that? England coach Brendan McCullum scoring a pyrotechnic 145 in his final test. Zach Crawley and Ben Duckett added 62, another impressive opening stand. In 20 stands, they're now averaging 46 per partnerships. England have had 14 opening pairs who batted 10 or more times together since the start of the 2006-07 international season. And of those, only Nick Compton and Alistair Cook, averaging almost 58 in 17 stands, have a better average opening stand. So without exactly being Hobbs and Sutcliffe, they are doing a very good job for England at the moment. Maiden stat now, and Australia have bowled just 32 maidens in this series out of now 567 overs. Now, the fewest maidens ever bowled in an Ashes series is 56 by England in the 1887-88 Ashes. Uh, an important facet of this series, other than the fact that it was four ball overs and actually maidens were quite easy to bowl in those days, was that that series was one test long. The fewest in a five test series is 81 by England in their victorious Ashes series of 1954-55. There's a thing you need to know about that series as well. It was eight ball overs, meaning that those maidens were worth a lot more maidens in six ball and over money. The fewest maidens bowled in a five test series of six ball overs, 85. That was by England while getting smashed around by Australia in 2001. So unless Australia bowl 54 maidens in the final innings of the series, which I think we can fairly say is unlikely, they are going to absolutely smash the record for fewest maidens by a team in an Ashes series. Under 6% of the overs Australia's bowled in the series have been maidens, and that also as a percentage will smash Ashes records out of the water. Usman Kawaja passed the 1,000 balls in the series mark 
for the series, just the second Australian opener to do that in a series in England since Bill Laurie in 1961. Mark Taylor did it in 1989 when he faced over 1,800 across the sixth tests. Harry Brooks' 44-ball half-century was the second fastest 50 in the first innings of an Ashes test, as in first innings of the match, not just the team's first innings. Damien Martin had a 43-ball 50 also at the Oval in August 2001. And finally, and this is not just my stat of the day, it's my stats, possibly, of the summer, possibly even of the decade, possibly, of all my statistical time on this earth. In the sixth and seventh overs of the match, England scored off every ball. That was part of a run of 15 consecutive balls in which they scored a run off the bat, followed by a leg by before Dottery finally reasserted itself. So those sixth and seventh overs, no dot balls. Now, I looked in the CrickViz database across the entire recorded history of Test cricket, and they have... Most of the games ever played in Test cricket in their database. Inside the first 10 overs of Test matches, there had only been three overs without a dot ball in the entire history of Test cricket before we had two such overs back-to-back at the Oval yesterday. So we're talking about overs with runs scored off every ball inside the first 10 overs of a Test. Uh, Two of those previous three occurrences were in the 1880s off four ball overs and the other was the sixth over of the uh, ludicrous Australia versus World Eleven ICC Super Test in 2005 off the bowling of Freddie Flintoff, Matthew Hayden and Ricky Ponting scored off every ball. So England did something twice in the space of essentially eight minutes that had happened only once in the entire history of Test cricket before that. Score off every ball of the over within the first ten overs of the start of a Test match. I hope that all makes sense. It was a truly remarkable statistic and highlights how this series has been played. Australia setting those fields back, England scoring off a ludicrous number of balls, seeming to get on top, but then not quite fully nailing the puppy to the post box. Is that a phrase? Let's let's say yes. That concludes today's Bugle Ashes Zoltzcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'll be back tomorrow with a review of Day 2 at the Oval. Who knows what will happen? No one. Uh, At least that's a question that we do do know the answer to. It might be a day when Australia grind England into the dirt, or it might be a day in which England break through and set up a winning position. Uh, The former seems slightly more likely than the latter, but in this series, you never know what happens. Australia might score at 15 and over, declare just after lunch, bowling them out, and have it all done by tea time. Who knows? I'll be back to tell you tomorrow. In the meantime, may the cricket be with you. Amen. You can listen to other programmes from The Bugle, including The Bugle, Catharsis, Tiny Revolutions, Top Stories and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts.